0: Hey sis, welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. My name is Cassandra Dunbar, and I hope you are all really doing well. Um, We have all been affected by the coronavirus in some way, shape, or form, and I really hope that you guys are hanging in there and that um, you have the right support that you need. Um, This week has been interesting for all of us, and I had a really great conversation with somebody who I really think will help take your mind away from. All that's going on in the world and she's also had some really great tips for her, for us so the fabulous woman that i got a chance to speak to this week is named alicia mccullough she is a licensed clinical mental health therapist and a national certified counselor author and poet her specialty is treating eating disorders and body image specifically in black and brown populations and she's just a wealth of knowledge she was such a good time and really helped gave some helpful tips um, for what to do um, while we're in this situation so without further ado let's go ahead and jump into the conversation thanks for joining So thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I appreciate your flexibility and your time. And um, so before we start, I'm always curious when I meet a black therapist. I'm always curious to know how did you end up in the field?
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I'll just start off. I was one of those uh, psychology students who was like, I just want to help people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so it really started from there like I want to help people you know when I was in high school and middle school I was always on the phone giving somebody some advice (laughs) so I was like that's what I want to do I'm good at that (laughs) so (laughs) I got into undergrad and you know I thought you know I was just going to graduate and do the work um, until I had some people come to talk to me and I'm a first-gen student so I had no context of what all of this looked like, Um, but we had someone come to my class and lecture, and they talked a little bit about, you know, psychology and counseling and different other um, ways that you can engage in therapy, and I'm like, oh, you know, counseling seems pretty cool. Like, I want to do that one-on-one direct work, you know. Um, I don't want to spend 10 years in school (laughs) um, doing all that extra stuff for psychology, which I really appreciate them. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I determined, like, you know, that's what I want to do. So I talked to someone I did know that was in graduate school and she's like, yeah, girl, I'm in the program, like you should apply. And I applied to graduate school for counseling. Um, And since then, you know, it's been been some ups and downs for sure within the field. Um, But overall, I don't regret my decision of coming and being a therapist. Um, It's been the best decision of my life. I've learned a lot about myself and other people. Um, I will say that I'm not necessarily giving the advice. I thought I'd be giving, (laughs) Um, (laughs) just as therapists, you know, we, we don't give advice. Um, we do believe our clients are the best, you know, the best tool in themselves. So they know the best and what's best for them, you know? And so, um, so that's important, but overall, you know, that's how I got into it really is that passion of like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm good at talking to people and I want to help people. And, you know, it just looks different once you're doing it, but I'm glad I went into the field.
0: Nice. And when you started to um, pursue your career path, did you get any like discouragement? And I only ask because in our community, it's usually like, no, black people don't go to therapy; we go to church. Right. So, <laughs> what was the family feedback and friends feedback? <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so my family, to be quite honest, again, first gen, they didn't really think it was like a lot. They're like, there's not any money in therapy, which I mean, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, they were just kind of like, what are you going to do with that? You know, they thought I was going to be like doing research and I'm like, that's great, but I want to talk one on one with people. <laughs> so there was there still is and there always was this kind of um like this miscommunication around like what I was doing like everyone thought I was in school for psychology versus counseling um and they would also they would always say my daughter's gonna be a psychologist and I'm like no I'm gonna be a counselor so (laughs) it was always always this like um kind of confusion around like well what's the difference you know Mm -hmm. Um, and since being in the field, like, my family always has this thing of, like, don't be doing that therapy with me. Like, don't do that. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm just having a conversation. <laughs> so is that, as well as that, I think there's fear um, around therapy. And I think it's just that we're not used to, like, addressing these concerns. As you were saying, there's so much stigma. Um, and, it's, and it can be a lot to step into the room and say, hey, I'm going to open up about something that within my community is considered taboo in a lot of ways. Yeah. It it has it's had its challenges for sure. Um in like, you know, support from family as well as just, you know, um even around friends, you know, trying to explain like what I actually do. Um that's that was challenging as well at the beginning and setting boundaries around like, hey, like I am a therapist, but I'm not your therapist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also um a big challenge.
0: That's something I never even considered. Like how your friends and your family would always want to come to you, yes, and fix their problems. And I just got off of work, like, (laughs) that is a really boundaries, boundaries, yes, Yes. which are so hard. That's one thing I didn't realize that I had an issue with. I don't, yeah, I don't enforce my boundaries like hard enough. Yeah, I'm working. I think a lot of us, um, have that issue, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, and I'll just add, you know, I
1: think you know, being in a culture where it's, like, expected to constantly extend yourself and constantly be available, and specifically within, like, the Black community where it's, like, that's your mom or, you know, that's your cousin or your friend. Like, you don't, you know, put a boundary up with them, and so I think that it's more difficult to, like, kind of do that and really protect yourself and, you know, obviously for the betterment of the relationship overall.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think also, just to add to your point, um, I think as Black women, we have just been socialized to give, give, yes. give, 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 till there's absolutely nothing left to give, you know?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It,
0: like, the majority of us um, are die really young, like, yes. we're dying in our 50s and 60s, and like, yes. and I think it's because we've just extended ourselves, like, so mm-hmm. there's nothing left
1: absolutely that biological that trauma that gets passed down yes all of that <laughs>
0: yes yep and I was looking I saw that you um specialize in in um eating disorders in black yes. and brown is it women men or both
1: um currently you know I'm working with black and brown women primarily mm-hmm. I feel like it's important to say that when we're working with like black or brown people or folks overall, that we do include those who identify as trans, you know, indigenous people, mm-hmm. um, queer people and, and men as well. I think that they're not exempt from eating disorders or disordered eating or body image. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really want my focus of my work to be around supporting um, all marginalized communities within the eating disorders field because I don't think we have that.
0: We don't. We don't. I don't think it's something we talk about. And honestly, when I think of somebody with an eating disorder, I don't think of us. Like, the right. image to my mind would be, like, a rich white girl, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about your work? And
1: Yeah absolutely and so I will give a backstory so I got into the eating disorders body image work um, specifically honestly from my own experience um, I had come from a family that was super um, kind of big into like good and bad foods and um, certain body types and then of course with that further cultural piece of you know the black community kind of having that health you know that health blood pressure all that stuff so It kind of all got mingled in mm-hmm. and over time, like just being in the field, I I do realize and understand that, you know, those two things are not actually synonymous, you know, that, Health and weight are two different things, and you can be healthy at any size. And so that's a big principle that I do follow is a health at every size principle. Um, I do a lot around body justice, and so just believing everybody deserves respect. People should not have to experience racism, sexism, transphobia, you know, fatphobia, those things we didn't have to experience to exist in this world. Mm -hmm. And So um, my passion for the work really began in my own experience. And um, within graduate school, I had the opportunity to intern for a body-wise group. Um, which was a group specifically for um, women who were experiencing eating disorders and I will say um, most of the women in the group were white women um, <laughs> so that, that was that was interesting um, and I say that because there was that missing some missing cultural pieces around you know foods or around you know upbringing or family or the ancestral um, pieces that can come into be and so those were missing, and so I made it my point that following year to say like I'm doing all black women. <laughs> so yeah. um, I um, was intentional about my screening process, and I did. And interestingly, what I found was that in doing the all the group of all black women, that the concerns were more acute, they were more severe, you know, and kind of consistent with what current research is showing in that. Actually, eating disorders, disorder eating, and body image is on the rise for minority and marginalized communities at higher rates and almost than other communities. Mm -hmm. In some ways, you know, I know we have that image of like the thin white woman being the eating disorder's client. And in fact, all of these other groups are actually like higher in need, you know, higher Mm for care. And so just in that work and in kind of thinking about that a little bit more, you know, it it really stood out to me and I said, We really need to get serious about this. I really need to get more into depth about, you know, what this looks like research-wise and really invest in this um, in this specialty. And so now I'm doing my social justice work on Instagram. I'm still seeing my individual clients. Um, I plan to still do some um, groups and really expand out. I've got some um, seminars coming up with different people. And so I'm really building that experience and trying to say, I want to be that tool. I want to help, you know. Um, and so yeah that's where all of this kind of comes into play
0: and and you mentioned that um, black women and brown women ex- are experiencing eating disorder and disorder eating at a more acute way can you explain that a little bit more
1: absolutely and so one of the things that we're seeing in that's missing in research so so far and I did a um, I did a kind of a webinar um, with the with a friend who um, works more around Latinx communities mm-hmm. um, and one of the things we saw it and we talked about was that a lot of the research is focused around white women because we think about research, right? Like who Mm -hmm. holds the power, who has access to do this research. So which populations are they looking at, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just a circle and that's so most of the research is white women Mm -hmm. and there's not, a lot around like women of color or black and brown women um, or marginalized groups in general. And so, um, as we're doing more and digging through, we're seeing, okay, there's actually more research out there. There's more research showing that black women are not only experiencing body image concerns, but also due to being sexualized at younger ages, there's also that tying in with the body image concerns as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hair, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being a part of your body. And so, that ties in as well as how is that you know, if whiteness is the ideal and that's on one end of the spectrum, how are you, Eurocentric, you know, beauty standards tying into that as well? Um, I talk about skin color, colorism, right? That ties in a lot. Um, You know, even the pressure when you, when you are experiencing racism and, you know, like, hey, I can't get rid of the racism, right? But that societal idea of like, well, you can change your body, you know, mm. ties into that piece too. And so I think it's just so much deeper. I think there's so much depth um, when looking at um, communities of color experiencing eating disorders, and that's what was missing for me. I, I wanted to see those pieces, and there's much more, but I definitely wanted to see those pieces kind of um, reflected in the data. And I hope that at some point it is, you know, um, but we still got some work to do for sure.
0: Wow. And, and do you think that the disordered eating and eating disorders, are they similar experiences Um like do they look the same um whether it's black brown or or white Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. thinking like is it mostly anorexia bulimia or would you say it's overeating or yeah
1: yeah i will say that a lot of the research and this is coming from like um some of the national sites that i've seen that a lot of them say like for communities of color or black or brown women, that there's this um, higher, this higher category of like binge eating and bulimia. Mm -hmm. However, I will say also that, you know, it's, I've seen it across the board. I think what I've seen different is that, um, so for example, if I'm sitting across from a a brown or black woman and I'm like, hey, like these, these behaviors, let's talk about those or let's talk about your relationship with your body or food they're less likely to say like, oh yeah, that, that's not, you know, that could be a little problematic um, because they're just not used to seeing themselves as someone who um, is represented. And so for them, it's just kind of like, well, this is my norm, you mm-hmm. know, just this is just what I do, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it's a little bit more difficult to kind of convince of like, actually, you know, they're, you know, you missing meals and only eating once a day is not, you know, helping your body or nourishing your body. Um, and it's a little bit more difficult to hear that. Um, and I think, again, because of all of those different factors where it's like, well, how is, you know, health and weight not the same? I think those come up a lot, too, because it's, it's just new, you know, and so mm-hmm. that, that, that beginning understanding there. Um, And So to answer that, I do feel like they kind of fall across the board. But I will say a lot of the research is more leaning towards um, the binge and the bulimia being like higher within communities of color, marginalized groups. Um, And again, maybe as more research evolves and kind of comes out, they'll see a little bit more um, diversity amongst all groups.
0: Yeah, and you know, now that you mentioned that the bulimia, I, I think it's important to to note that bulimia isn't just you know sticking your finger down your throat. And like mm-hmm. we purge in other ways, like this flat yes. culture, like it's like yes. we think it like <laughs> like it's <Yes>. now. In <laughs> yes. um, the past few years, like I guess since like the Instagram rise, like everybody at some point, most people have gone through the flat tummy tea situation. Yes, which mm-hmm. pretty much just taking a laxative. Um, Yes. Yes. That is a a really good point. As you're talking, it's like the, it's connecting. I'm like, wow, I I see it.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, and I think that our ideals and I, and I can speak more for black women. I think our ideals of like body image, for example, are different. Like, I think even looking back historically, it's always been thin white woman Mm -hmm. versus like for our community, it's always been, you know, thick, but Mm -hmm. in the right. Faces, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, you know, and so even that difficulty of saying, well, how do I have this certain shape and size? Mm -hmm. Other layer to everything else that's going on, you know.
0: Such a good point, and I can remember myself as a kid. Since I was, oh man, as long as I can remember, I've always been on a quote unquote diet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Since yes. And and I thought about it the other day, like why was I like 10 years old talking about a diet? Like I'm right. like, what mm-hmm. was I doing? But mm-hmm. I don't know why, but just it was just instilled in me that I can't be too big. You can be a little big, you know, like you are in the right places. Yes. Um, my parents are from the island, so it's like that's okay. certain physique, you know, like yes. mm-hmm. small waist, you can be big everywhere else, but the waist has to be small. And that's not yes. how my weight is. Like my body's not built like that.
1: Yes, right. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and, and, and
1: it's interesting. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and it's so interesting because that body type, that slim, thick body type is so impossible, right? Like we can't control the way our bodies um, decide to hold weight, you know, mm-hmm. or, or decide to store fat. Like we can't, we just can't control that. And there's this need of like, you have to be hyper fixated on it, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, like we're saying
0: and and um instagram has just made things so much worse yes. before it was like um the video vixens and the video mm-hmm. vixens were actual real people made yeah mm-hmm. some enhancements but nothing crazy now instagram is like nobody looks like this you know the no. um the site fashion nova yes Mm -hmm. Yes. i refuse to go on that site (laughs) who looks like this like i hate (laughs) this no this is not okay Um, every once in a while i'll catch um one of those music videos from like the 90s or early 2000s yeah they had regular women in the video yes Mm -hmm. real Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i feel so bad for our younger people who are coming up because how can you possibly feel like you measure up when you look Absolutely nothing like the people on TV Absolutely. and on now your, your phone screen.
1: Absolutely. I had did a um, project training. I'm a body project supervisor, Neil. And one of the things that we talked about was that at this time, like in this day, most seven-year-olds, I think was in the data, are more concerned about like a diet versus mm-hmm. like their parents dying. And I'm like, you know, that tells a lot. That's, that's really telling. It I I think about these cultures, whether it's diet culture, whether it's colorism, racism, whatever. I just see them as being so infectious, you know. And it's so interesting we're talking about that in the midst of what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just see him as being so infectious, it's like you can do everything that you can do, as you were saying, and it's so big. It's so so much of the system, right? Yeah. So um I I'm so grateful for the people that are dismantling it and I'm and I'm grateful to be a part of that process as well. Um, and it's huge, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about what's going on in the world right now. Yes. So coronavirus, COVID nineteen has just yeah. Pretty much put a halt on everything. Um, yes. Oh, boy. I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's just affected everybody's lives in just each and every way. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I've noticed is, um, so I've been home for the past like week and some change, and mm-hmm. I have been eating a ton, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not hungry, I'm mm-hmm. just eating. Like, I'm here, yeah. so I'll cook and I'll eat it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My girlfriend's is the same thing. I'm looking online and people are saying the same thing. So, yeah. now the mm-hmm. question is if somebody is recovering from um, an eating disorder, yeah, what are some tips, like, while you're stuck in the house? Like, what can you do to not pretty much relapse?
1: Yeah, I think it can be so hard, right? Like I was talking to someone earlier about how I've even seen like in on my page there's been so much more like I'm going to start fitness journeys now. You know, I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff. Um and I have seen the also that that fear, that fear of like I'm going to gain weight while I'm in the house. Mm-hmm. And I you know, a lot of what I've been trying to do and other people in the community have been trying to do is say like and that's okay, right? And that, you know, your fear of gaining weight during this time is rooted in like some fat phobia, right? And that you don't want to get more weight on your body. You don't want to get more fat on your body. And so like, I think even that as a frame is kind of re- realizing the sitting and saying like, what's coming up for me in this moment, right? Like I'm, I'm, maybe I've went back in the kitchen for a second time, like, you know, and that's okay. And like, you know, what's going on? What does my body need? Does it, do, does my body say like, I really want this or does, is my body saying like, I really want connection, you know? Mm-hmm. either is fine there's no shame in either thing and it's just kind of sitting and being in tune with your body and it can be so hard like during this time to be connected with yourself and i think that intuition and that really like checking in and saying like what's coming up for me right now is going to be really important i think for people who are in recovery that this can be specifically challenging during this time because maybe it feels like you're stuck like you're quarantined or Mm -hmm. isolation and you can't leave the house and it's like What do I do? Like, I don't have control of the things that I I felt like I maybe I had before. And I think that's time to really lean on support. You know, I think it can be so, so difficult to try to do it on your own. And so if there's someone in the community who's, you know, fat positive or health at every size, reaching out to them in this time. And then, of course, like that second part of just checking in and saying, where am I at? What do I need? You know, on your body's cues. And that can be really, really hard and so important, I think.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Speaking to checking in with yourself—that was like the hardest part that I had to learn in therapy because mm-hmm. I was used to just like if I felt anything, yes, suppressing, keep it moving. But mm-hmm. yes, like speak to myself and really listen to what I needed was uncomfortable, and then it can yes. be uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I also <laughs> was mm-hmm. that right. Like I, um as a therapist, we always say therapists need therapy too, right? Like we can't. Be- best tool in the room if we're not also taking care of ourselves (laughs) so that was that was also a coping strategy I had picked up and adapted is you know that suppressing and just moving on and you know I thought about you know a lot of this is rooted in that in that generational trauma around like that's what we've always had to do you know and so it is different to sit and say wait what's going on and where is that feeling at in my body like is it in my chest is it in my stomach you know is it in my shoulders what is that feeling telling me you know that's really that is a lot, it yeah, takes a lot of intentionality,
0: yeah, and I think because right now we're forced to literally sit down somewhere, mm-hmm. like your feelings yes. will come up more and more frequently, and we can't run from mm-hmm. it, we can't run to the grocery store or run to our friend's house or run to the club or whatever yes. it is we have to mm-hmm. like deal with it and yes, yeah um any tips on how to cope in the meantime like would you suggest journaling meditation what what do you normally suggest to your patients or clients
1: yeah and I'll say, too, I always normalize it. Even when I was thinking about the question you asked me around the eating disorder, it's just to first start off by normalizing and validating that, like, what you're experiencing is real, right? We're in the midst of a pandemic. You know, there's a lot of change and transition going on, which can bring up a lot of anxiety and, and depression and trauma. Um, I think about people who have experienced food insecurity and how that ties in to be a part of this whole thing as well around, like... I'm, I come from a background where I don't have a lot of food and this, you know, people going to the grocery stores and buying out. And I don't know if I'm be able to get there and get my needs met, you know, mm-hmm. think about people like that, or even people who do buy and maybe don't have a place to put their, their uh, food. Maybe they don't have a refrigerator or mm-hmm. like be going on at home. Um, and so all of those things and just normalizing that that's our lived reality right now, you know, it's real. Mm-hmm. So what I've been telling people is one, you know, definitely stay informed but not at your detriment, you know, and so it's important to know what's going on in, going on in the world, you know, um, as much as you feel like you can, mm-hmm. at some point, turn off the TV put on the phone, log off Instagram, you know, and, and and do that, that and checking in and that breathing, that deep breathing and grounding. Um, it's so easy to be consumed. Like, I trust me, I know, <laughs> I know, it can be so easy to start scrolling. And it's just like, an hour's passed, and you've seen like 10 corona posts, and it's like, yes, I've taken all of that in subconsciously, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which can affect your sleep and different other things, and so I think it is important to take those breaks and just say, like, let me check in. How is this showing up for me? How is this impacting me in the moment and in the day-to-day? I think that's so important, so I've been saying checking in, um, being intentional about your time, Journaling, yes, um, I definitely agree with taking some time and writing out your thoughts. So many times, especially now, where you feel maybe so isolated or alone, everything's up in here. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's there. You know, mm-hmm. it's helpful to have a journal or even like on your phone and just write down some thoughts. It doesn't have to be coherent. It doesn't, you don't know, have to be perfect. You know, these are your thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just finding a way to do that. And, and then for me, you know, if you can, and I understand every state's different, but going for a walk for me, I'm someone who has low vitamin D levels. And so it's important that I stay in the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, So I have been more intentional with everything going on to really just get outside and go for a walk, even if it's like 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. that's helpful for me. Um, I also think, too, like just having some time just to relax, like whether that's like Netflix, right? (laughs) We all go to. Um, That's okay. Like find something on Netflix to watch, you know. Um, And again, be intentional with that, you know. Um, But yeah, just really figuring out what are things that – that help you and it's different for everybody like some people you know might need to you know call a friend do a FaceTime I was talking to someone who um who currently can't get out and they, and I'm and they were like hey like I need something to do to connect with people and I'm like well what do you like to do and they're like I like to go to the movies I'm like okay why don't you and your friend you know that you can contact pull up a movie and then call each other watch it on FaceTime together it's mm-hmm. not so but it's something you mm-hmm. know Um, And so getting creative, I think this time can really help challenge our creativity. And I think that that's that's something that we can really use to our
0: advantage. Yes, definitely. And and I love that you mentioned just to rest, too. Um, Yes,
1: yes. I'm
0: so sick of the internet telling us that we need to be working 24 hours a day. That is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Like, grind culture, I'm so over it. It Over it. My goodness, like, there's a time for everything. Work is important because you need to sustain yourself, right? Yes. But rest is equally important. Like, it's so easy. Okay. Like, if you have a time to sit down and not do a thing that's quote-unquote productive, it's fine yes and go to sleep to so the sleep when I die situation I don't like it like it's not okay
1: <laughs> at all no I don't want to do that <laughs> right
0: <laughs> but
1: there's
0: yeah, segment of us like our generation that's like this like hustle 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 24 7 mm-hmm. no why what? why <laughs> It's going to be there when you get back. Right. Yes. Like,
1: the, um, I follow this page on Instagram called The Nap Ministry, and they talk so much about this. I'm sure you do too. Yes. So much about it. And I'm like, yes, thank you for giving me permission to lay down today. Right. Yes. For allowing me to be late. No. Um, so, <laughs> you know, those things are important though. Like that's that slow down. Like we, I, okay. So with all everything going on, I was, um the other night I was in my bed and I was just thinking like, wow, I cannot believe I was functioning at that rate. Mm. And I was going so fast that this feels so like weird to actually slow down. Mm-hmm. And so I like, it was so hard. Right. And so I think even that like this moment can show you, you've been going and doing a lot, you've been pushing yourself a lot and now it's time to slow down. And if that means you stay in bed for a day, mm-hmm. okay. Right, like if that means that you decide, like, hey, I'm just going to do this one thing on my list today, and that's cool. Do it, you know. um It's it's a time for restoration. That's what I've been saying to myself. Yes. <laughs> restoration, and that's okay. Rest,
0: please rest. I-, I love that restoration. That that's that's the key word right there. Yes, um, I've been reading those stories about how even nature is being restored because we're sitting yes. in. Like, mother nature is like, all right, who now I can restore myself. Yes. yes. Follow her lead for sure. Yes. Um, I was telling myself, like, I remember like a month ago I, I literally said to my husband, I'm like, I can't go at this pace anymore. Mm-hmm. Like from mm-hmm. time I open up my eyes, to time I close my eyes, I'm going. And I, I literally, yes. I don't see myself living to like 50 if I keep going like this. Exactly. And then this all happened. And I'm just like, you know what, this is uncomfortable, but I needed this, like to yes. re-prior- reprioritize and just like take inventory of what matters and just do that. Do what matters for now, not do the most, like for what? Exactly. Exactly.
1: I was listening to this um, talk the other day and I'm, and you know, I, again, self-disclosure, I, I'm someone who thinks a lot about the future. Mm. Um, I definitely understand for those people with anxiety, I get you. <laughs> um, so I'm always plant right? I'm always playing. <laughs> the future and what's going on tomorrow and next week and next year you know all these things right Mm -hmm. and you know i just heard the speech and it was like you only have to focus on today you know tomorrow is tomorrow's tomorrow it comes you know you know and that's okay with today and it really set things for me into perspective around okay like in this moment, I am, you know, washing the dishes. And that's the only thing I have to do. Like, I don't have to think about tomorrow. And that's okay. Like, just bring it back to right now, um, which is so hard, but I think very, very revolutionary.
0: Oh, I love that. Wow, that that spoke to me.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so wellness for me, and I know this might be like, it's such a cliche word nowadays, but like holistic, you know, mm-hmm. So, when I think holistic, I just think, everything i'm doing like you know i can't just go to therapy and that be my only form of taking care of myself um holy, it, it, is, it does involve you know for me again like i was saying the vitamin d it, it involves me going outside and going for walks it involves me talking to my boyfriend you know for social support and reaching out to my friends um it involves me finding hobbies and not wrapping my identity within my work which i do <laughs> and so, um, de-, de doing that, like you know, undoing that, you know, um, it involves me being able to write. Like I'm a writer. I've um, wrote a book, um, and I write poetry pretty regularly. And you know, sometimes I lose that in the in the hustle and bustle of life. Um, I paint and I've lost that, you know, and and I'm an extroverted. And so I love people. and love, you know, being around people. And so those things, like remembering the important things and not losing that is important to my wellness. And I think that's just so important. If so I think about just showing up for myself holistically in every moment, which can be really hard. And at the same time, just saying, am I honoring my best self right now? It's um, mm-hmm. kind of how I look at it.
0: Oh, love that. Oh, you have so many gems. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting my whole life right now. (laughs) And then the last question is, what if, like, if you're a reader, what book would you recommend to us? It could be about anything at all.
1: Is it, you just want one?
0: (laughs) give me a couple.
1: Yes, please. (laughs) Um, So I, um, one of the books that really changed my life this year was um, Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. And so again, kind of wrapped into my work, she really talks about how a lot of like our weight, our body image or fat phobia is rooted in racism,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: which, you know, I had an idea, but didn't really know until she broke all the facts down. And I was like, okay, you know, and so that book was everything. Um, and then another book I really, really love is, um, this body is not, the body is not an apology, um, by Sonya Renee Taylor. I had the chance to meet her, um, a month ago and I'm like, wow, my dreams are all coming true. Um, (laughs) that was a good one too. Um, and that's all about radical self love and how we do show up for ourselves in every moment. Um, and how we do honor our, you know, our authentic self and, you know, how when we develop love for ourselves, how that extends to others as well. And so, um, um, there's, there's so much good stuff out there, but I definitely recommend those two right now. Those are the two that are really popping out in my mind right now.
0: Okay, beautiful. And then I have one, ma'am, aren't you an author? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> watch your book now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, and, uh, and just to
1: give a backstory, so I wrote um, the book Blossoming when I was finishing up graduate school. What a perfect time to write and finish a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I wrote it, and, and I've been writing poetry since I've been a teenager, um, you know, just kind of as a way to cope within my household and um, really just let out some emotions um, and and release that. And so, um, I actually had went through that year of my my last year of graduate school. I found some of those poems, and then I just edited a lot of them. Um, and I was talking to publishers, or you know, people who do the work. And I'm like, hey, like, what do you do? And you know, what are all the steps? And so, um, blossoming came out of that process. And it's a poetry book. It's about self love. Um, it's about my journey. Um, I love butterflies, so it kind of goes with the theme of a butterfly and coming out of the cocoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah it, it i love it and i reread it when i need encouragement and it's so interesting how that works but i i, I love that book and so that's one book blossoming
0: by alicia mccullough hello yeah. it'll that's- be in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> nice thank you so much um of course i was so good talking to you absolutely so good talking awesome. to you as well